the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As a constitutional law attorney, former senior legal advisor and personal counsel to President Donald J. Trump, Jenna Ellis believes in the rule of law and the importance of integrity in our elections. And she's ready to tackle the big cultural and legal issues facing America. This is The Jenna Ellis Show. Here is your host, Jenna Ellis. Happy Wednesday, friends, and welcome to another episode of The Jenna Ellis Show. I am so excited to have two very special guests joining me today. First, we're going to be talking to James O'Keefe, who is the founder, of course, of Project Veritas. He has a brand new book coming out, American Muckraker, and he also has some breaking news from a FOIA request that was submitted by our good friend Tom Fitton over at Judicial Watch. You are not going to want to miss this. Then, we also have been uh, keeping an eye on Dan Crenshaw from Texas. What is going on with all of the rhinos? He's been praising Adam Kinzinger. He also has had um, more stock trades and wealth accumulated than Nancy freaking Pelosi during his time in Congress. So he is being primaried by another Ellis, not me, but a good uh, friend, Jameson Ellis, who, of course, the last name is awesome, right? So he's going to be joining me later in the program to talk about why he's primarying Dan Crenshaw. And if you have not been paying attention to the headlines from Dan Crenshaw and how he is uh, getting a little awkward, and, and frankly, I think he's getting very defensive when he's being asked at town halls some of these key questions like, why is he supporting Adam Kinzinger? Uh, what is he doing about the January 6th political prisoners? And he doesn't have a lot of uh, great ideas. He also has, doesn't have a lot of great answers. Listen to this that he said to a young girl, reports are conflicted, whether she's 12, whether she's 18, if she's a political op- operative, whatever. I don't really care who she is, even if she's a political plant. You don't respond in this way when you're a sitting congressman at a town hall of your constituents. But listen to this. The most important thing here is that we have That's important nice. hero archetypes that we look up to. Jesus is a hero archetype. Superman is a hero archetype. Real characters, too. too. I could name a thousand. Rosa Parks, Ronald Reagan, end quote. I can't wrap my head around this. You're all, I'll help you. Put a period out okay. of the word Jesus and don't question my faith. Wow. You moron. What? What? Yeah, you all talk to a kid like that. Don't question my faith. You guys can ask questions about all of these things, and I will answer them. But don't question my faith. I didn't question your faith if this is what you said. That's. I I, I mean, you can read the quote again, but nowhere in that quote am I saying Jesus is not real. That's a ridiculous statement. Of course, he's the son of God. Of course he's the son of God, and of course he's real. You can't say two different things. You can say that on a podcast, and you can say this here. On the podcast, nobody would have understood it that way. I think you're twisting it that way. Which is not very Christian. Which is not very Christian. Let's go, Brandon! Let's go, Brandon! 
Yeah. It's not. And I'm not going to have my faith question. I'm not going to have my faith question. Yeah. So I'm going to be talking to Jameson Ellis about all that and more. But first, the Biden administration has caused a financial crisis and they have no clue how to fix it. Oil prices have skyrocketed. And when oil prices go up, not only do your expenses go up, but the cost of transportation and shipping spikes, leading the prices of goods to rise. We're already seeing record inflation, and that is the last thing that we need. Our economy is in trouble and you need to take steps to protect yourself. If all your money is tied up in stocks, bonds, and traditional markets, you may be vulnerable. Gold is one of the best ways to protect your retirement because no matter what happens, you own your own gold. It's real, it's physical, and it's always been valuable since the dawn of time. Legacy Precious Metals is the company that I trust for investing in gold. They can help you roll your retirement account into a gold-backed IRA where you still own the physical gold. They can also ship gold and precious metals safely and securely to your house. So call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-528-1903 or visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com. All right, well, joining me now is uh, my very good friend and the author of the brand new book, American Muckraker, which is shooting to the top of the bestseller list. If the New York Times bestseller list were actually accurate and they didn't censor conservatives, I'm sure it would be up there. Uh, But my good friend is also the founder of Project Veritas, James O'Keefe. And James, we were just uh, talking before the program how so much uh, seems to continue to happen in between our conversations. And you were telling me that just last night, uh, there was a FOIA request that revealed something very interesting. What can you tell us? Well, uh, Tom Fitton from Judicial Watch filed a Freedom of Information request into the Department of Justice and discovered that documents existed. This is, this is the DOJ, which never acknowledges, by the way, the existence of this information. That's what Tom uh, told me. But acknowledged that there have been communications between Pfizer and the FBI about me, which is wild. I mean, it's crazy um, that, for, first of all, it's wild that they would be doing that. And second of all, it's wild that they would acknowledge that they are doing that. Uh, this comes, of course, on the heels of the FBI raiding my apartment uh, in November and taking my two phones. I have not been charged with anything, but that was a result of the investigation where a subject or source uh, transmitted to us Ashley Biden's diary. We did not publish that diary because I could not confirm that it was and 100% certainty confirmed that it was hers. And, and, you know, this is wild, and this is what this new book is about. It's about truth-telling in the digital age. It's about, um, it's about the powers that be, to quote David Haverstrom's book. And it's about ethics and privacy and deception and undercover work and how journalism has transformed from what it once was, which was challenging and questioning and being skeptical of those in power, to... to coordinating and collaborating with those in power. And we live in a world, for example, where the New York Times, the FBI, and big pharmaceutical companies are all communicating with each other to try to shut down and, I guess, effectively incarcerate journalists. That's the world we live in, and this book is about how to deal with that. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to reading this, and I think everyone should. And, you know, my, my background and major, actually, in undergrad was in journalism. And, you know, back in the day when we actually had clips in that portfolio that, you know, you'd have the, the hard clips from newspapers, I mean, that's kind of the era that I grew up in. And uh, the cartoon that I saw that best reflected exactly what you're saying, James, it was um, a podium where, obviously, it was a government official who's speaking to a crowd of American citizens. And you have a journalist then that, you know, 
know, their back is to the crowd. They're the line of defense asking the questions. And then it says now where the journalist is facing the people and is parroting what the official behind him is saying. And I thought that was a brilliant picture of exactly what you're describing. And it's so amazing to me how big tech is able to censor and get away with all of this. Um, in the midst of your investigation of Dr. Fauci, you've even had uh, the two Twitter accounts, Eric Spracklin, as well as the, the uh, Fauci account that was suspended on Twitter uh, I mean, w what is your plan to push back on this and what's in your book for people who want to be good journalists to learn? Yeah, there's a chapter in this book, there's a chapter in this book uh, about the history of, of the medium, you know, to quote Marshall McLuhan, Canadian philosopher, the medium is the message. And I've always believed that content is king. What does that mean? It means that the story is strong enough. If you have first person participant observation journalism, meaning that you don't trust me to give you the information. You can see for yourself the primary source information. In journalism, there's always been this uh, dichotomy between access and autonomy. In other words, um, you have a source, you have a, someone inside the government you're working with, um, or you're, you're too adversarial to, to your source, you're too adversarial to your subjects, and therefore you cannot get information. And it's a delicate balance. And these days, the, that meme that you're referring to, which is an amazing meme if you haven't seen it, that the journalists have become so cozy with their sources that they're, they're supposed to condemn the high and mighty rather than extol them. And the, the, the reason why we use hidden cameras and whistleblowers is because we, we're, not, we don't, we're not so conflicted, you know, and people are more honest when they do not know they're being recorded. This, the, the documents you referenced last week inside the Department of Defense were given to us. They were buried, uh, Jenna, on a top-secret share drive uh, and that's really the, the the biggest story for me is that they they wanted to cover this stuff up. They didn't want people to see it, but those documents were given to us, sent to us. I'm protected by the Supreme Court uh, case of Bartnicki v. Vopper. For those not familiar, it's a it's a seminal case authored by John Paul Stevens in 2001, and it says that a journalist has a right to publish information, even if that information was stolen, so long as I did not participate in the theft of that information. It's an important thing, and by the way, newsrooms do it every day. The difference is, is that uh, uh, we are publishing information with Dr. Anthony Fauci that they do not want published. I'm sure that they don't, they don't want that. Now, some people in the government, good people, I think there are a lot of good people on the inside of the Department of Justice, and I know that because we have sources now inside these agencies. The Marine Corps major who wrote that document, Jenna, was not our source at the Defense Department. The Marine Corps major fellow at DARPA. But what he did tell us, and he told this on the record to me, he gave a statement when we reached out to him for comment, is he said there are a lot of good people inside these institutions, and they're trying to do the right thing. They're trying to reform it on the inside. And so there's that side of journalism, but there's also what I think is the most exciting part of this book, some amazing stories, one, one chapter called Insiders, where we talk about the whistleblowers. And whistleblowing, that is to say, you are betraying the organization which has betrayed you. It is an incredible thing that's happening in this country. There's a lot of people that are ready to do it. Um, we have a story coming out next week involve, in, involving such, such a person as a follow-up to the Anthony Fauci story. I think that, that government is broken. To quote Charles Murray, government is in an advanced state of sclerosis where solutions are completely beyond the legislative process. Elections go back and forth. The pendulum swings. The country's divided. But the way to forge consensus is, is through exposure of this 
of this information. And, and if you don't believe me that, that consensus is not possible, I uh, look to November 6, uh, 2021, when I was raided by the FBI. You had the ACLU, the Reporters Committee, the Society of Professional Journalists all defend Project Veritas. And you would have thought I was a crackpot if I told you that was going to happen a few weeks prior. Right. But it's great to see the rallying of journalists and those organizations coming to your defense because that's so important to keep that autonomy, as you said. And there is a difference, James, between uh, revealing the the gross underbelly of what government wants to hide from we the people versus really collusion and coordinating with uh, leaks, for example, of key things and things that uh, the government just wants to use journalists to get out and shape their narrative. And I think Project Veritas does a really good job of not being in the pocket of any of the government or are having any sort of narrative, just publishing for the people to see the truth for ourselves. Well, I I love that you brought up the idea of leaks. People say, well, don't James, don't you publish leaks? Well, there's a chapter in this book about that. um, And I actually put it this way. I say, I I quote Daniel Borston, the librarian of Congress from the 1960s. And he said that leaks are effectively a form of a press conference. And it's usually the leaker, the person, for example, in the government, the person in power, that is manipulating the reporter. It's usually the person who's manipulating the reporter, not the other way around. So it's a really delicate balance if you want to tell the truth. Because I think the, the, what's paramount in journalism is to tell the truth to the audience. People attack yes. me for using what they call deception. Oh, you lie to people. Well, well, I only have two choices. I can tell the truth to the audience or I can lie to the audience. And sometimes in order to tell the truth to the audience, you have to dig deep. You have to use disguise. You have to present yourself as something you're not in order to elicit the truth out of the subject. And this is a really difficult thing. This is not an easy thing to do. I don't think they teach this in journalism. I don't know what they teach in journalism schools. I I believe in what Mike Wallace said. You learn more on the job in three months than you do in journalism school. But I think this is a handbook. This book is a handbook for people who want to do it and don't know how to do it. That's fantastic. So the book is called uh, American Muckraker, and you can get it uh, wherever books are sold. And also, James, in the last few minutes we have here, Project Veritas is having a great event in Miami coming up next Saturday, uh, January 29th. I'm going to be there at the Whistleblowers Luncheon. Looking forward to coming to the after party. So uh, great to to look forward to seeing you all there. So people can go and register for this event. So it's my understanding that the Whistleblower Luncheon is sold out. But if people want to join that event, um, also want to support you where can they go for this uh, great uh, few, book preview we still have a few tickets um there you make a donation to veritas on the website projectveritasexperience.com that's projectveritasexperience.com january 29th miami florida we have a few tickets left for for sale you make a donation you'll get an access to the the venue and it's going to be at the fountain blue hotel in miami beach and we've created this whole i, I don't know how what to call it it's like a musical it's like it's like Hamilton meets Project Veritas, where we reenact and show through the years of our journalism, um, our fights, our struggles. It's really something else, and it's very original. But will Lynn manuel Miranda be there? Maybe he will. Listen, the ACLU defended me. I never thought that was going to happen. So True. I would not be surprised. Right. Well, Lynn, if you're listening, this is your invitation right here. <laughs> and the book is number eight on Amazon currently. It's climbing, so we appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing you, Jenna in Miami on January 29th. ProjectVeritasExperience.com if you want to get tickets to this.
Great. Looking forward to it, James. And keep up the good work. And of course, I support you and any American who cares about the truth should be supporting Project Veritas. So thanks so much for your time. And I'll look forward to speaking with you soon. And who knows what's going to happen in between uh, now and the next time we chat. <laughs> Every so day something soon. develops. Okay. Absolutely. See you next time. All right, so that was my good friend James O'Keefe. And again, if you want to join this amazing event, the Project Veritas Experience, there still apparently are a few tickets left to the Whistleblower Luncheon. I will be there with the Project uh, Veritas Whistleblowers. And speaking at that event, um, you can come and meet all of the great people that work with uh, Project Veritas, support them. Um, I'm coming just as a VIP guest. Of course, I support them. Um, I'm not employed by them, full disclosure, uh, but absolutely support James and his work and all of the great people over there. So go to projectveritasexperience.com. That's going to be next Saturday, January 29th in Miami Beach. So we're really looking forward to that. And before we get to my next guest, who is running to primary, Dan Crenshaw, let's talk about another defender of the system, Centurion Defenders. We know that vaccines have not eliminated the Chinese Fauci virus, so we all need to, uh, to take extra protection for our immune systems. My friends at Centurion Labs have combined five key ingredients to defend your immune system against allergies, colds, the flu, and even the coronavirus. It's called Centurion Defender, and it incorporates vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, copper, and quercetin in just one capsule. So no more swallowing 10 pills a day or not taking supplements because the individual cost is too high. Take just one one Defender with breakfast and one with dinner and keep living your life. Just like the Centurions of Rome led by example and held themselves to the highest possible standards, Centurion Labs has dedicated the last 15 years to research and develop safe, effective, and affordable healthcare products made in the USA that you can trust. So for a limited time, listeners of this show can save 20% off their first order of Centurion Defender when you visit centurionlabs.com forward slash Jenna and use the promo code Jenna. That's J-E-N-N-A. Defend your health today with Centurion Defender, Centurion Labs, that's with an S, dot com forward slash Jenna. All right. Well, joining me now is the man himself who is primarying Dan Crenshaw and, of course, has the best last name ever, right? Jameson Ellis. No relation, but, you know, who knows? Maybe somewhere back in the family tree. But clearly, because Ellis is such a great last name, I'm very excited that someone with the last name of Ellis is finally running for Congress. So, Jameson, thanks so much for joining me. No, I definitely uh, appreciate you having me on. And let me just say it's an honor and a privilege to be on your show and, uh, and I will say this, is that I am a fifth-generation Texan at least. That's as far back as I've been able to go. And so, uh, but uh, I don't know if you have any Texas heritage. Oh, but, uh, yeah, my dad's whole the last... family is from Texas. So what, what well, area we... then, I guess? I mean, so, you're in the, obviously, Texas too, but where yeah, is your Yeah, so I'm, I'm, initially, I'm initially from Brady, Texas. And actually, Brady, Texas is known as the, the heart of Texas. It's the geographical center of Texas. Great. And so that's that's where I was born and lived there. We actually have a couple hundred acres uh, out there between Llano and Brady uh, in a little town called Pontiac. All right. And, uh, and so I love going out there during deer season and uh, just spending – uh, time with friends and family out there. It's, it's a whole lot of fun. Texas is such a great, great, I mean, it's a whole different country, right? And it's a whole a great part of the USA. And I love it. Um, you know, my grandparents, obviously, uh, you know, were from there. My dad and his whole family were from there. And so I'm from right outside of Austin. And so have a lot of Texas family. We have the Ellis family reunion. So, you know, maybe we can get all of our Ellis clans together sometime and, you know, do all that great Texas barbecue. That'd be great. 
Um, hey, that would that that would that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. So, well, so, next so, time so really I'm there, quick, I'll definitely let you know. So you so you mentioned Texas, you know, kind of being its own country. So what's really wild about Texas, and that's what I love, is that we have beaches, dirty and clean. You know, we have the we have East Texas, which is like you know East Texas. I have a joke that that's where men are men, and so are half the women. Um, <laughs> But then you have North Texas, you have the Hill Country, you have West Texas, and you've got South Texas, and then and then uh, like far far west in El Paso, you've got this this desert, right? So we've got mountains, beaches, oceans. I mean, y- y- like you, rolling plains. So like you name it, and we have it. So mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a huge state. Yeah, people on the East Coast don't believe me that you can literally drive the entire day and still be in Texas. You know, they don't get that because we can drive on the East Coast through like six states in a day, you know, so. Um, well, are you talking about Texas or are you talking about Houston? Because that's all. <laughs> that's a good point because too. Houston is kind of that way. It's like, like we have a rolling joke. It takes two hours to get from Houston to Houston. Uh, yes, <laughs> so. that's, that's awesome. But, you know, so clearly you love Texas. You are a native Texan. And what prompted you to run for Congress and particularly against Dan Crenshaw in the primary? So that's actually a very unique story. Um, and I'll try to shorten it up. It's, it's Sometimes it's hard to keep it super clear and concise and short in the process. But uh, so May 25th is a significant date because, number one, it's my birthday. But number two, that's the day at 2020. May 25th, 2020 is the day the George Floyd incident happened. Mm -hmm. And over the next 60 days, we saw over 500 declared riots and over 2,000 law enforcement officers that were injured in the line of duty in a 60-day period. And when I looked at our government leaders, they didn't do a dadgum thing. Uh, They sat on their butts. Some of them actually incited even more violence. And so uh, I've been working with a nonprofit, I help run a nonprofit called Bridge the Blue, and, and our whole mission is to help bridge the gap between law enforcement and community. And so, of course, whenever this happened, it, it made our jobs a whole lot harder. Uh, and so there's this whole narrative that, uh, that, that we've been having to, to confront. And so we have a community online on Facebook of over 100,000. Uh, it's a mixture of both law enforcement and law enforcement supporters. And so we go live in there, and we do what's called the Blue Crew Live. And so we were on the, in the middle of this Blue Crew Live one day, and, uh, and I am a Christian. And so I felt like uh, what God had put on my heart in the middle of this live was you're, you're dealing with symptoms. So what's going on with law enforcement, BLM, and Antifa, it's a symptom of a much deeper issue. And so I knew in that moment that, okay, we need to treat the symptoms because whenever you're sick, treating the symptoms helps you get through to the end of whatever it is that you have. But if you don't treat the root cause, then it can just keep happening over and over and over again. And so I knew in that moment I wanted to do more. And I didn't know what that looked like, but what was on my heart was Congress. I don't know why, but that's what I felt like God put on my heart. I didn't tell anybody about that um, because honestly it was a little embarrassing because I'm not a politician. Uh, I'm, I'm a political outsider. Uh, I don't know the first thing about campaigning. Um, and my voting record isn't necessarily the most um, prestigious. And when I say that, uh, I've always voted Republican, but I've never voted in a primary. And, and I'd like to talk about this, actually. Mm-hmm. I've never voted in a primary, and I've only voted four times. Three times is all that's recorded because when I voted for Trump, uh, that vote didn't count. And I have the letter mm-hmm. to prove it. Um, and so that's also what the haters are trying to attack me on is my voting record or lack thereof. Was that in but 2020 to... or 2016? No, that was 2020. 
Interesting. So, I, okay. so, so I didn't vote in 2016 because I'm I'm somebody that feels like that feels very disenfranchised by a party that gave us John McCain in 2008, Mitt Romney in 2012, screwing over Ron Paul in 2011. Mm-hmm. So I felt like my vote didn't count. I'm literally a product of the system because the system is set up to protect the establishment, and the best way that people that they can do that is to keep people apathetic. Most mm-hmm. people don't vote. Less people vote in primaries. Even less people vote in midterms. So I, I was a product of that system, very much so. It took Trump actually having to wake my butt up. And so now I am more engaged than I've ever been before in my life. And, uh, and, and I will say this. I want to make sure I finish that story. So a couple of weeks after I've, uh, God put that on my heart, mind you, I didn't tell anybody. So there was a lady that was in the group, in, inside our, our Silent No More Facebook group, that reached out to me on Facebook. Now, I don't know her. She didn't know me. And, uh, and she said that she was praying and that God showed her me in Congress. Hmm. And she uh, pointed out that I had not talked to anybody about it. She said, but it's been on your heart. Hmm. And whenever she said that, you know, I, I'm not going to lie, I, I teared up. Because to me, that was just confirmation that, that maybe I need to trust God for a next step. So she told me that. That night, I actually told my wife. And, uh, but we kind of put it on the back burner. And so then we started another charity called One Nation Project, and we've been working on that. And then earlier 2021, about April, May-ish, my, my good buddy John reached out to me and just said, hey, did you hear that Kevin Brady, which is Congressional District 8, he's not going to be running for re-election. And so I was like, uh, I did not know that. And I said, you know what, I think I'm going to run. And he was like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. And, uh, and I said, you know what, let me, uh, let me go home, think about it, pray about it, talk to my wife, because I wanted to count the cost. I think too many times yeah. people do things without counting the cost. Anyways, long story short, I go home, talk to my wife, I pray, wake up the next morning with a piece about running, but I'm scared to death because of what this could mean. Um, having my name, my family, extended family, friends, all drug through the mud, trying to expose me, which there's nothing that they can really get on me because I've already exposed all of my mm-hmm. failures, my pain, all that stuff. Um, but I'm they very never go after the truth. They stuff. twist everything anyway. So yeah, I mean, they no do. matter what it is, they'll just say something in order to smear. And so you're right to count the cost. I mean, and Jesus himself tells his disciples to do that. Yeah, he said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross mm-hmm. daily, and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So yeah, counting the cost is very important. So we started out in Congressional District 8. And that's going to be that. That's Kevin Brady's open seat. And so back in, I want to say it was October, November, the redistricting maps here in Texas were finalized because we just added two new districts. And whenever I looked at those maps, I was no longer in Congressional District 8. I was now redistricted into District 2. And so I had to really think about that for a second and say, okay, I've always said, just being a man of principle, that I believe a congressman needs to live in the district. They need to represent the district that they live in. And so I had two choices. I could either move out of the district and just uproot where I'm at and, and move, or I can you know, go ahead and, and run against Dan Crenshaw. And so, of course, I made the decision to stay where I'm at, not running against Dan Crenshaw. And the support behind our campaign has just, has just skyrocketed. So I didn't start off in this race to primary Dan Crenshaw, but that's mm-hmm. actually where we wound up, and which is very unique because one of the things that I learned, so going back to 
the, the Blue Crew Live and, and hearing God tell me that this is a symptom of a much deeper issue. So when I did my research, and everybody wants to know, where do I do my research at? I go to Conservative Review. So if you go to libertyscore.conservativereview.com, you can look up um, the, the, the voting records of, of congressmen. So uh, here's what I did is I looked up um, everyone that we have in the House. So we have 435 voting members of the House. Jenna, let me ask you a question. Out of those 435 voting members, can you take a guess of how many of them actually have true conservative voting records? Oh, very, very few. And unfortunately, Liz Cheney has one of the highest conservative voting records, even though obviously she is not really a conservative right now. But uh, the scores are actually very, very low. And a lot of them tend to uh, to twist what it means to be a conservative. And a lot of uh, sitting Congress members do that in order to pretend and try to manipulate their voting record to say that they're more conservative. So um, unfortunately, I think it's a pretty low number. Yeah, so it's less than 40 have conservative wow, voting. Wow, I didn't so think I it was that t- low. Yeah, so then I looked at Texas. So Texas, we have 36 districts. We, we now have 38, but before before we added the two new districts, we had 36. So everybody wants to talk about keep Texas red. Texas ain't red. Texas is purple. So out of mm-hmm. the 36 congressional districts here in Texas, less than 13 have true conservative representation. And and, and, and that's an issue. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I believe I don't believe that Democrats are responsible for what's going on in this country. Uh, I, I believe that it's Republicans, so-called Republicans in D.C., that are not acting and voting like Republicans. And that's the issue that we have. And that's why the, the election with 2020 happened the way that it did. That's why, uh, that's why our, that we're, I don't believe we even have liberty anymore. I believe that it's an illusion, which is why uh, part of my, my slogan or my tagline is to restore liberty. Uh, because I, I don't believe that we really have it anymore. I, I feel like the deep state or the, the establishment, they have been working through the system for decades to, uh, to bring us to the point where we're so dependent on government that whenever you say things like repeal the 16th Amendment, they're like, <gasps> you're living in a pipe dream. Really? Because it didn't always exist. Right. Right? So – there, so there, there's a lot we could talk about here. Yeah, so. and you know what I love, Jameson, about your story is that there are so many people who have that similar uh, view and outlook and that similar history of saying, you know, I wasn't really that involved in politics. I kind of, you know, saw the, the news and, you know, paid attention to a few things and really trusted the establishment until President Trump came along. And I think he forced people to get off the fence and to declare and show themselves for who they really are in Washington. And that revealed and evidenced how dark and disgusting the deep state and the establishment rhinos really are. And so there are great great people like you who are faith-based Christians and just good, honest, hardworking Americans that are willing to stand up and say, you know what, I am going to fight for this country. I'm going to run for office. And it's people like you that our founders envisioned, not the Dan Crenshaws and the, you know, establishment politicos and the politicians who are so well rehearsed that they can't even, you know, answer a a little girl at a town hall, you know, and and who are stock trading more than Nancy Pelosi. I mean, it's, it's the hardworking Americans that genuinely want to preserve and ultimately, as you said, restore liberty that should be in office and that are running. So I'm encouraged, Jameson, that people like you all over the country in races, you know, like my good friend Robbie Starbuck who's running in Tennessee. Um, There are so many others, you know, Josh Mandel in Ohio. There are many others that I've endorsed or that have come on this program 
that are exactly like you, who are running for the right reasons and who are willing to stand up and say, you know what, we need to take our country back. So I applaud you for this. I wish you a lot of success in your campaign, and I hope that people will hear more from you. Um, so where can people find you if they want to donate, reach out to you for media, um, you know, get, uh, get in touch with you in your campaign? Yeah, absolutely. So if anyone wants to, to learn where I stand on the issues, my website is jamesonellis.com, and Jameson is spelled just like the Irish whiskey, J-A-M-E-S-O-N, and Ellis, of course, like uh, like Jenna Ellis, E-L-L-I-S. So jamesonellis.com. So uh, I do want to point out, because I've had some people say, I don't. there's not a whole lot about you on your website. Uh, the reason why is because it's a website. <laughs> right. It's just it's just there for information. And most people don't read. They, they read headlines and bullet points. If you really want to learn who I am, then engage with me on social media. So I'm on Facebook and my handle is at the Jamison Ellis all across the social media. So I am on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Getter, Gab, um, Telegram. And I feel like I'm missing one, <laughs> but basically everything. So I mean, those yeah. are those are kind of the big top ones. So um, so yeah, and you know, and I've been uh, watching your Twitter and seeing what you're doing, and I think it's great. Um, not just in the context of primarying Dan Crenshaw, I think that's important for someone to do, and I'm glad that you stayed in that race. And I hope that you will gain a lot more traction and supporters, uh, but also that that you're just running. Period. I think that more people need to step up and make a difference where they can in this country, and whether it's running for office like you or whether it's just getting out and voting and speaking out and holding our elected officials accountable we the people need to make sure that we are engaged and involved in our government because it's supposed to be a government of the people by the people for the people and we the people have to select who actually represent us in office and so um so i wish you the best when is uh your key primary date in texas uh march the first march first all right so um everyone we early voting but yeah. early voting starts Valentine's Day. Wow. Okay, so send Jameson a love letter through a vote and uh, and make sure that you are uh, getting out and turning out in Texas. And I wish you a lot of luck, Jameson, and hopefully um, I can get you back on the program uh, you know, sometime as we move forward in February before the primary date. And thanks so much for sharing your story and uh, for your sincere faith and love of country. No, absolutely. And again, uh, it's an honor and a privilege to uh, be on the show. Thanks so much. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.